Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. It's 1.52 a.m. in spooky Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Night Call. Hello, welcome to Night Call, your podcast for those strange days and lonely nights. My name is Emily Yoshida. I am in New York, and with me on the other line in Los Angeles are Tess Lynch and Molly Lambert. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hello. Um, we have a very lady horror oriented podcast for you today, um, starting off with the the first lady one might call her. The very first lady, um, <laughs> Melania Trump, which as of this recording, um, there's a lot of conspiracies around her. And it's been a while since we've had a good um, White House. Cons- well, no, that's not true. Yeah, come on. I was going to say, no, this is the best time for conspiracy theories and the worst time for everything else. I guess non-political ones. But there hasn't been a good first lady conspiracy theory in a second. Um she may have resurfaced at, at, as uh, by the time you hear this, but I think yesterday they announced that she wouldn't be going to the G7 summit. There was some statement issued about how she has just not been appearing anywhere because she's deciding to focus on her kids and family, which is um, sh- there have been similar statements like that in the past. But she's, um, she's got to be best. She's just being best. Wherever she is, she's being best. <laughs> 
Um, but I like uh, Audrey Woolen, a, a good follow on, on Twitter, was, was talking about how this is sort of, uh, it feels like a kind of gothic mystery that's evolving around Melania being gradually like turned into a ghost and, and sent up to inhabit the rafters of some unknown attic in the White House. Well, it's um, funny, too, because Ira Madison has also been doing these really funny threads on Twitter about sort of like the soap opera version of what has happened to Melania. Where he's like, oh, she's yeah. been replaced with a body double. Mm-hmm. And then the body double's been sent to like a farm or something. Just like very Days of Our Lives, what it would be, which would be that like yeah. someone has a secret twin. Yeah, the secret. And she's in a coma. Yeah. There's been a double rumor going around for a while. I think because there were some photos of her where her face was mostly covered by sunglasses or like her hair or something like she's just styled in a way where you purposefully can't seem to make out her face. So who knows who that could be? I think it was this one video where she's wearing a hat and glasses and it just looks like a prosthetic face. I just looked at the Snopes on this and they were like, no, it was a distortion. Like it was like a screen distortion. Is she the hat man? I think she's Carmen San Diego. <laughs> she is. She's like in a trench. It's so I gotta, close. I got to say, this is one of those ones where I was like, who cares? I don't care. <laughs> Why don't you care? Because it's so there's weird. so much other shit. There's a lot of other actually shit. important. And this just seems like a distraction. Almost. That's true. But it's an interesting distraction. If, if you acknowledge that it's a distraction. It's interesting. But I'm also like having made the mistake of watching cable news for the first time in a while. I was just like, this is what like if you turn on cable news, all it is all day yeah. is like. It's they're not talking like, about Puerto Rico. They're not talking no, about anything. they're not talking about anything of, real. All they're yeah. talking about is like Roseanne, Roseanne and Melania and like Russia. And none of it is ever real. And I've heard that it's like they're getting really good ratings for it because sure. it's become just like Fox News for neoliberals where it's like, I'm going to watch TV all day. And then like something's going to break in the Russia scandal that'll like crack this whole thing open. And so it like gets people addicted to watching this sort of meaningless news programming. Well, this is. Yeah, this is the great prank that the this administration has actually played on people on the left is that they've it has made like raving, paranoid Fox News esque lunatics out of all of us. Uh, which is it's definitely been a thing where you see some people just like go off the deep end never to return oh, yeah. it's become just more and more of a thing and some people just turn into these like Russia conspiracists where it's like hey, it's not, like, they're not going to be like, whoops, like, mulligan. <laughs> but and, and, uh, the plus side is they, we all learned a lot about game theory. In, yeah. uh, oh, so in much the about game theory. I it's, don't think 12-dimensional chess is real, you guys. <laughs> it's so funny because I was remembering, like, maybe a year ago or something, meeting up with a friend of David somewhere, and he was like, did you hear? Like, we hadn't looked at the news maybe for a day or something, and he's like, did you hear, like, the indictments they're coming down like everybody's going to jail i've been saying that every day yeah and but we're like really really and we like searched twitter and we couldn't figure out what i was talking about it and of course it was like a louise mensch thread probably yeah but. like people there's always somebody that's like you know my inside source said like Mueller's prepared the report and like trump's been president for like over a year. <laughs> you mean eighty it feels years? Like one hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. Like one hundred and fifty years. He's gonna get reelected. No, Molly. Yeah, he is. Because what are we? What have we changed about anything? We haven't like fixed how voting is fucked up. 
Can that be like a rallying cry, not a prediction? Can that be like, he will be reelected unless... I don't think there's an unless. I think he's going to get reelected because I think that the people that are like, Russia did this. It's like, no, like American racism did this. It could be both. I think it could be both. I think it's possible for it to be both. But you can't... You can't bait people with like racist Facebook memes that aren't already like prone to racism that are going to believe them. If they're not racist, they're going to be like, that's bullshit. And clearly there are a lot of people that are primed to believe all this garbage, but they also believe it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think those people don't exist. I think they voted him in, not Russia. Do you think it's possible for him to disappoint those people in a meaningful way where they'll go to some third party and... I think it's like Kanye. I think it's like the people that have drank the Kool-Aid are like, I drank all the Kool-Aid and I'm not going to stop now. You know, like to stop would be to denounce everything that I've done in my entire life until now. So like, gotta just keep rolling with it. Hey, Night Callers. You know, Tess and Molly and I often talk about how we all wish that we could just be brains in a jar sometimes. But the truth about life is that you have a body and sometimes you have to do annoying things like go to yoga class or really fulfilling things or go running or, you know, whatever the case may be and take care of that sack of bones that you live in. So fabletics.com is a great resource for making sure that you always have something comfortable and fresh and fun to wear when you're working out. It was started by Kate Hudson. Yes, that Kate Hudson. Um, And it's premium activewear at a great value. If you do a lot of working out or yoga or whatever, you know that you can spend a lot of money on leggings, on activewear. And all of this stuff is really affordable, but the quality is still really, really high. Fabulous clothes are designed to move with you through your lightest workouts and your most intense. And they're also just comfortable clothes to wear around when you're doing errands and lounging around the house. I I know that I do a lot of uh, my best writing wearing Fabletics pants. The leggings are available in sizes extra, extra small to 3X and in petite, regular, and tall lengths. So no matter what, there's going to be a look that fits you. And every month they renew their looks. So you can go on the site, browse around, and find something new that looks great on you. You can shop as a guest or become a VIP, and that way you'll receive 40 to 50% off retail prices of everything on the site, which is the best way to shop. So go to fabletics.com slash call now to get two pairs of their amazing leggings for just $24. Seriously, these are the world's best leggings. They are so comfortable, and once you try them, you will fall in love with them. It's a $99 value, and you're going to get two pairs for only $24 when you join at fabletics.com slash call. That is fabletics.com slash call. Can I just put this out there also as a sidebar right now that we're not going to talk about the Kanye album? (laughs) We don't have to. I mean, it's trash. That's what we can say about it. I haven't even listened to it yet. It's one of these things I've decided I don't have time for at this point in my life right now. (laughs) I think it's okay to be like, I don't have time for this at at this point in my life. It's not even uh, like a Kanye is trash thing. It's just like I simply do not have the bandwidth to get into like... Figuring out how I feel about the new Kanye album. I'm not even... I think it's perfectly fine to say that in light of what's going on with Kanye, that you're just sitting this one out. Like, I am yeah. i don't plan to listen to it. Maybe I will. But, I mean, it honestly, we've talked about this before. There's something that's so sad and feels um, predatory at some point about, like, 
feeling this responsibility of having an opinion on what's going on with Kanye when he's yeah. very clearly in a place where he should just kind of go away for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think I brought this up before, but Jay Kang had a good thread. Um, Jay Kang, the, the intellectual uh, dark web of the left NBA <laughs> Twitter uh, superstar was talking about just like, I don't know, like, yeah, we don't we don't have to care about this stuff. He was like anyone who ever wrote a think piece about Kanye is responsible for this world we've made. Yeah. <laughs> he was like we all graduated from college with no skills except being able to like write pop culture theory. Yeah. And I was like maybe he's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe speculating about celebrity is bad and projecting things onto people that aren't there or treating people's real. careers and and lives by extension as a sport that you watch and prognosticate about is maybe not helping well we also we talked on girls in hoodies a lot about like monarch mind control like the kind of conspiracies about what happened to young stars mm-hmm. and they all had these nervous breakdowns and stuff and i mean a lot of it was supposedly like a machine that was kind of conditioning them to be these like ciphers but a lot of it was just growing up feeling that you know creating attention around oneself was was the ticket and then coming to like a point in your life and your career where you kind of feel like you have to like step it up and step it up yeah and it it just leads to such sad things and then you just don't want to like have any of that on your hands. I was going to say also there is a machine and the machine is capitalism. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you know what though? There was this there was this post about Avicii that was really sad on ONTD where people were talking about like, hey, this guy kept saying like, if I keep doing this, I'm going to die. Yeah. And everybody around him was like, you have to keep doing it because you're making all these people money yeah. and that's all that matters. And then all these people were, you know, they were kind of like, hey, it kind of seems like this is a pattern that happens to like every big star uh, yeah, that right. we make that, that, that has a nervous breakdown is like they should take time off and they can't, you well, know? Yeah. I think a problem with that, too, is that when an artist expresses vulnerability, it almost seems as though it's an invitation for fans to come closer when really it might be their attempt at stepping back. Right. So I think that with Kanye, when he would be on these tweet binges and and expressing very personal sentiments and like really controversial opinions, it almost seemed as though he was inviting people to relate to him more or to like try to figure out what was going on with him in a way that was really invasive, yeah. but it maybe wasn't that. You can see right. the reaction. I mean, I said, I know we said we weren't going to talk about this. And then yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see in the reactions, it's like it's not even about Kanye or the album. And I feel like the same thing is going on with like the Pusha T and Drake fight where it's like it's about people's personal investment in yeah. those artists. And a lot of it has to do with nostalgia for like that you know anytime other than now yeah just like something that mattered to you at a different point and if you if you no longer connect to that thing then like everything you ever did was a lie but it's like no if you no longer connect to that thing it's because there's nothing to connect to anymore um i have always like joked about kanye like becoming just like full psycho but it's not funny it's a bad album because there's no humor to it. It just feels like sad. And you're like, somebody like he should just take time off. He should get help. Yeah. Uh, I would rather he get help than like keep making music yeah. that is bad. Is bad. Or just even keep making music that is good, even. It's like there are things more important than making art or money. Well, I was just gonna say, I just feel like we're we're just starting to 
begin to realize the ramifications of like this gray area where the thing we use to communicate is also just like culture like as like it is like the matter of culture so like somebody's tweet or something about their well-being or their inner life it's not just a mode of communication it then becomes a piece of culture to mull over and and that can that can you know either make somebody money or affect their career or result in fewer tickets sold for a tour or you know whatever and i feel like we're just starting to realize the what happens when like you can no longer just talk anywhere that everything becomes something that it comes back to your bottom line yeah uh, or that like you can say things that can like fuck up anything else you've said that was good like if you didn't get off the kanye train at slavery was a choice mm-hmm. then like yeah. i can't help you because yeah. like what are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like what are, yeah like uh, what are you waiting for exactly it's a like, lot i mean it is a lot like trump it's like the people who are still like no no he's playing 12 dimensional chess this is all like a big performance art thing and he's gonna do a big reveal at the like you know listening party and then it's like no you know who knows a lot about performance just... art? Kanye West fans. Well, no, there were, that was like one of the conspiracies was that like he was recreating this piece of art by this like famous like Fluxus artist yeah. or something. And yeah. I was like, how delusional do you have yeah. to be to think that that's true? And right. it's like as delusional as people who are like Trump's, you know, the indictments are coming down any second now. It's like you believe what you want to believe. Yeah. Uh, but some, I don't know, like people are talking about Britney, too. They were just like, everyone around her failed her because, like, she could have gone a different way if people hadn't been so, like, you have to get back on that stage. Right. Uh, I think everybody, I don't know, my only hope for the future is that, like, everybody starts taking care of each other instead of mm. being, being tweet, tweet crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, going back to the Melania thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. Sorry, guys. What's interesting is that we're, so we're recording this podcast. Melania is supposed to be um, appearing before a group of people with no press allowed at, I think, 2.30 Pacific. So it's, but it's on the, so 5.30 this evening. Okay. So we don't know if that's going to happen regardless of if it happens or not the press isn't allowed so we'll be relying on reports of people who are in the room the um, real I think schrodinger's C- cat situation exactly <laughs> that's yeah and there was a cnbc reporter i think who said that he saw her i guess her last appearance was may 10th and he said he saw her in the white house at some point after that but wouldn't really elaborate said other people saw her too So I think, you know, Molly and I were talking about this just before we started recording and, you know, she was like, it's just a distraction. It's just a distraction. And it totally is a distraction. I mean, it just seems like that has to be the case. That's like, I'm also like, hey, the Trump administration is disappearing a lot of women mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. we aren't talking about all the time in the news that like I would rather be focusing on. Well, I just think but it becomes an interesting part of the story if you think about them concocting this particular distraction it shouldn't be something that takes up your time as much as as you know puerto rico obviously being something that's just been completely ignored i just feel like too with melania it's like there seems to be this desire people have to like project humanity onto her or to be like she's trapped in this horrible situation it's like do people put herself in a situation i don't know (sighs) i feel like a lot of like white women are like always like poor melania well like no not poor melania she's like married to a to a white supremacist she said crazy birther things like she's a bad person 
person. Not, yeah, I totally agree. However, it becomes a little bit tricky, I think, when people start like slamming her use of English and stuff like, I mean, attacking her for things not based completely on her personality and life choices that have led her to the White House. No, and like, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't matter and she's probably fine. The thing about all the weird shit around this administration, so like like Melania having a body double, that's actually something that feels like in the realm of possibility. I don't think it matters, but there's the actual matter and substance of this administration, which is all the ways in which they're fucking over immigrants and all this other stuff. Um, But then there's like the, the color of it. Like that it wasn't just that people were having their human rights violated. It was that we were living in this weird twilight zone uh, where it was possible that there was like a body double for the first lady. That's like just bizarre. Like it goes also to the idea of like people seeing memes that are like clearly photoshopped and not knowing that they're photoshopped. Mm -hmm. Like there is this way and just like you literally can't trust anything you see, especially if you see it on the Internet, even if it's video, it's like. No, it could just be all shopped. Like anything can be shopped into the thing that you they want you to think it is. And so it makes everybody feel crazy. Oh, speaking of crazy people on the... There you go. Perfect. Speaking <laughs> of women locked in a tower of their own devising, <laughs> we were going to talk about Julia Allison, um, a person who was on the internet a lot and then kind of disappeared off the internet and then reemerged like a butterfly, like a person wearing butterfly wings at Burning Man, this week <laughs> with an editorial uh, in page six. New York Post. New York Post about how Sex in the City ruined her life. It's, Guys. It's such a college paper essay. Like, it's like, what's your thesis? And give me, you know, in this case, like 25 things that support this thesis and completely ignoring anything else that might be going on in the world or with yourself uh, at a given time. It's just like a blindingly unself-aware piece of writing. But uh, It was really rough. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I think the worst part is when she claimed that a man was attempting to um, sexually assault her, and it was horrible, but then ended the paragraph with, and the worst part, he flew me back home on on Jet Blue. Blue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what I thought was a huge bummer about this was that it was like, it wasn't that she regretted trying to sell herself. It was that it didn't work the way she wanted it to, which is, I think, a thing a lot of people actually can identify with is that you're like, I'm going to be a brand. And then you're like, wait, I'm a cheap brand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think there's a lot of assumption that like, we all bought into the myth of Carrie Bradshaw, right? And it's like, you know what? I didn't like. I'm. I know you guys like Sex and the City a lot, but I was never a Sex and the City fan. Aside from like, if like, I was in I a liked, hotel and I had to watch a couple episodes, but like, it's not that we bought into like buying a lot of shit will make no. you happy. It's that I was like, it would be nice to have a column, right? Yeah, yeah. that was where I <laughs> came to it. At. We were never. I don't think Molly or I were ever huge Sex and the City fans. I think it was almost like our soap opera, right? Um, we. It also, like, started when we were teenagers, so I feel like it was just, like, maybe if I had been, like, an adult woman in in that world already, I would have been, like, this is so fake, like, nothing like it, but because I was, like, a teenager, I was, like, yeah, sure, I'd like to have a column and an apartment, like, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, there's something, though, like, in the the article, like, they've chosen intentionally extremely unflattering photos of her during the height of her career and being like a gawker fixture and all of that but it also makes you be like oh the 2000s which Uh, i keep thinking about like the 2000s were like weimar germany Mm -hmm. you know we were all just Mm -hmm. like 
carefree and everybody Is was just like. Is that how you feel about the 2000s? I thought you hated yeah, the 2000s. Yeah, 100%. I do hate them, but now when I now I've been thinking about it a lot where I'm like, oh, everything was so frivolous because fascism was coming. Mm-hmm. But there's you something know? about those outfits and the color and how everything was just like neon and like made for the lowest attention span possible. And it really kind of sent a chill down my spine. Right. But it also just seems like such a different time when it's like, oh, remember when nothing really mattered? Like those yeah. things weren't real. Well, it's also such a waste when you think about it because you're like, we had Gawker, but they spent all this time talking about Julia yeah. Allison. But you know what? I was like, she was one of the people they tried to turn into a micro celebrity but the other one was mark zuckerberg and like that turned out to be like a person that you did want to be paying attention to more than he wanted you to because yeah. uh, you know people who want all the perks of like power but don't want the downsides which is the constant analysis it's like no you get both that's the thing about elon musk too you're like if you're gonna be on the internet all the time tweeting your opinions people are going to tell you their opinions back. It's yeah. not a one-way thing. That's yeah. not how it works. And that's why all these billionaires keep buying publications and shutting down newspapers or making them into sort of censored versions of those papers because they're like, you can write about anything you want except me. Yeah. You know, yeah. even people that are like, oh, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. It's like, yeah, that means you can't like criticize Jeff Bezos the way that you need to for mm-hmm. being like a psychotic monomaniac like (laughs) those people shouldn't be in charge of anything and gawker when it was good was like did make you feel like it was like the little guy taking Taking shots at the big guys taking some wind out of the sails or something yeah i mean i i remember reading about julia allison just because i read gawker all the time i i never really cared that much i mean even though i read everything about her like i I did not understand how it applied to me or why I should care. I think because I was in Los Angeles and like wasn't in the media and just didn't really. I was like, who is this woman again? No, I mean, it was like she couldn't see how clueless she came off all the time. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, they're like and even in this essay, you're like, she starts out by being like, I lived the most glamorous life. I met everyone like Henry Kissinger. She's like Henry Kissinger and Richard Branson. Those are her two examples for glamorous celebrities. Glamorous, multi-murdering war criminal (laughs) and member of the International Olympic Committee. Yeah. Henry Kissinger. And then she did the thing that all the most annoying New Yorkers do, which is to move to California and be like, guys, I'm so different now. (laughs) (laughs) Like people who go to summer camp and come back and are like, I have a new personality. Forget everything you knew about me before. I have a Bravo pilot. Uh... Uh, and then she really just kind of shows shows herself by being like, also, I dated a woman. Carrie Bradshaw would never do that. That was and then, incredible. That and then was she was rough. like, and then I dated a man, but he wanted to be polyamorous. And I was like, oh, honey, you live in Silicon Valley <laughs> for sure. Yep. Uh, I said that in a Samantha voice. <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> honey, those Silicon Valley guys all want to be polyamorous. <laughs> I say not unless they're poly bank accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Where's our misadvised? Um, That was the thing, too. I was like, oh, I forgot she actually did have a reality show at the end. But she was like, but I was over it. So, like, goodbye. But then at the end, she says this thing where she's like, and now I'm 38. And if I hadn't done all this stuff, I'd be married with kids. And you're like, where do you get that idea? Right. (laughs) Excuse me?
A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, make better decisions, improve your memory, prevent burnout, and overall, you make fewer mistakes. It's not marketing, it's science. To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing, science, to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it, but that doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell and are committed to planting one million trees by 2025. Don't miss these summer savings. Get $130 off your Lisa mattress at lisa.com forward slash nightcall. That's $130 off your Lisa mattress at lisa.com forward slash nightcall. Maybe this is just everybody once they hit like a certain age where you're like, what if I'd done everything differently and been the opposite person of who I am? And I feel like Julia Allison is like, I should have just like stayed in Chicago and married a rich banker. And I feel like she wrote a thing once about how she had like a boyfriend that she like dumped to go do New York stuff. And maybe she just maybe. regretted the it. The fact that you remember that is terrifying to Because me. I followed her narrative for a long time because it was, like, mildly engaging. And... I felt really bad for her because I used to read this horrible website. Oh, I read that website. Yeah. I know what you're about to say. The one that was just, like, a mean Tumblr about her. No, oh, no, well, there was the mean Tumblr just about her, and then there was the mean blog about every everybody but mostly just women who wrote for the internet. And they just, I mean, they gave her a name. I think they called her Donkey. It was just really oh rough. God. Like. It was the kind of thing where you wondered what a person who feels like they've um, decided that they're going to have a career that's just based around their personality and kind of banking on that. What do you do if if it seems as though the overwhelming response to your brand is negative? Yeah, right. What if you don't have it and that's yeah. why you can't be an it girl? But you maybe also don't have any other it's where it's like that might be something that someone else, if you were, again, if you were a completely different person leading a completely different life and making different choices, like she she was like charming ish at a at a point maybe or just you felt like no you know what i just remember i'm having so many weird flashbacks now to like specific 2000 do you remember when she started dating a guy who was like prom king like a, no she started dating a nerd yeah like internet guy when, when she was at wire yeah yeah who was like a wannabe silicon valley guy and so they started a blog together about their relationship called jacob and julia oh no i do i did i read that oh no (laughs) and i knew it was doomed because she started like and this is the thing i see other people do and i'm always like again samantha voice i'm always like oh honey no like that's not gonna (laughs) do anything good for you like they would put their fights on the internet and Mm. be like who's right and I was like, uh-uh, Mm-mm. no, Mm-mm. that's not a relationship. That's like you're asking the internet who's right, like you're doomed, yeah. you know? Like even if you're right, like your relationship is fucked. Yeah. That's that um, creepy like uh, pseudo or like we live in public type shit where you're just like, no, no, all the wrong impulses are being acted yeah. on here. <laughs> you can understand the basic impulse to be like, I'm having this yeah. disagreement with my significant other. If only I could have some kind of objective yeah. judgment come down from the universe. <laughs> but like, you don't, don't do I don't that. Think, like, it, de- <laughs> it depends what the disagreement is, you know? Like, yeah. I 
someone else I know uh, on the internet had a post about like, my husband thinks that you should wash lemons before you use them. Like he's crazy, right? You know, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can put that up for yeah. a poll. Sure. Uh, but being like, my boyfriend thing, like just like getting into too much detail, you're just like, oh, I'm gonna read this, but yeah. also it's not good for you. Well, was... Do you wash lemons? No. I wash lemons. Do you? It depends on my mood. I'll, I'll to say be it depends on, on the Katie, application. This is Katie Natopoulos, who's also an internet legend. Um, and I thought it was really funny because I was like, I've never washed a lemon. I think her husband was like, you have to wash lemons. And she was like, no, you're crazy. Well, this is a slippery slope because I just saw a video today on Facebook. Sorry, guys. I saw a video on Facebook <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you about it. And it was like, are you washing your produce all wrong? If you just rinse it with water, all those pesticides. Because oh, it was telling you a vegetable wash? No, it was telling you that to get off pesticides, you had to soak your veg- your produce in water with baking soda for 12 minutes. And I'm pretty sh- like, <laughs> is this fake? It must be fake. But people were sharing it like, okay, guys. And then you just see these big bowls of water and baking soda with like lettuce in them. It's like, you're going to eat baking, baking soda, soda lettuce. lettuce. Life is too short, y'all. <laughs> it's too short for this. Live dangerously. Just don't wash it. I mean, cares? I think, too, it's like there was a time when we were all on the Internet a lot, but people weren't being necessarily out about the fact that they were spending all of their time on the Internet because it was like you wanted to create the illusion that you had a cool they life. Other right. things to do. Thank and God we're past was like, that. Just kidding. We're all just online all the time. And it was like people like Julia Allison who are like, I'm putting myself out for your consumption. My life is an open book. Tell me everything you think about me. And then people would be like, you're a dumb bitch. And she'd be like, not that. Don't say that. I don't want to hear that. Um, Which, you know, it's very Elon wants to hear that. Well, the thing about forcing your way into being an it girl is so like, I'm of two minds of it because out of the idea that if you're going to be an it girl, you have to be chosen by somebody else. You have to be like submissive in that way and let somebody else like voiced fame upon you or something well, also they're all like born rich is the secret yeah. and i think julia allison was like i'm rich why can't i be an it girl i'll come to new york and i'll wear chanel and then like attention will just follow and it's yeah. like no there's a million people just like you who also think that and it's not sex in the city that made you think that you get, would get all these things like that's some bullshit American dream stuff that you just were like okay well I'm a rich like pretty girl so I'm gonna get like a house and a family and like a hot husband and then being like where is he I want him yeah. and if I and it's sex in the city's fault and it's also like that's not what happens on sex in the city really like no yeah. sex in the city is kind of like depressing and then at a certain point they took it into like fantasy mode because they were like this is too depressing yeah because there was that like a you know early on like sarah jessica parker parker was like i think carrie's an alcoholic (laughs) and then they were like okay this has become like a fantasy aspirational thing for people we can't they can't have real problems unless it's samantha and then we'll give her cancer yeah which is why she's the only only good one only good one i have to say that for me the most depressing thing about the julia allison op-ed was that if you leave the internet for all intents and purposes as she claims to have done she says she posts occasionally on instagram but it's otherwise i never look at the internet especially instagram if you do that then you're offered the opportunity to come back as kind of like a version of the man who knew too little you know who like lived uh in upstate new york and didn't read any news oh, after the election that's what i was thinking about too yeah just like yeah. you stay in the bubble well yeah. i'm i was like i saw her picture and i was like okay come on girl come back and be like so i quit the internet and i have spent some time reflecting 
on the fact that, you know, I made a huge ass out of myself and also had to weather being kind of bullied Mm -hmm. and it was bullshit. And then I left and now I'm like so happy and here's what I've been up to and here's like a lesson from me, which I would have probably been like, fair, I'll listen to you. But instead she was like, right. Instead she's like, Hey, I'm the exact same person and I haven't evolved at all. And I'm just writing something that I totally could have written like eight years ago. Also, it's like she couldn't scam her way into New York, but she scammed her way into Silicon Valley and now she gets paid to like speak at seminars, which is like the biggest scam (laughs) of all. Like such a such a good job yeah hire us to speak at your well, seminar was no like, joke now i'm like a change activist and it was like what is that yeah <laughs> what are you doing the irony because i remember she quit the internet after like going to burning man she was like i went to burning man and like Opened learned my you know, third eye <sighs> nothing i don't know there's something about like people who have revelations and then learn nothing from it yeah is like a fascinating thing yeah to bring it back to kanye for a minute yeah. again you're like how can you be self-aware and then be like not self-aware at all, you know, yeah. or like how, how are you trying to like acknowledge the, you know, your critics in a way that's like, yeah, yeah, they've got some points, but also fuck them all. Yeah. <laughs> they know nothing. Yeah. It's like kind of to a lesser degree, like Katy Perry's whole last album cycle too, which was very like, like I'm going to listen to my critics, but like in a very kind of cosmetic way. Or like I appreciated her for like getting out. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I watched that whole Katy Perry live stream, (laughs) which was amazing. Oh wait, you guys! By any chance, did either of you see that they were broadcasting Fleetwood Mac's "The Dance" on PBS last night? No. Oh, see, that was like another thing where I was like, oh, okay, they've figured out that like we need this nostalgia so badly. I mean, even thinking about Katy Perry and like the Audis when we were first That's introduced to oh, they were playing hot Audis. and cold in the store yesterday and i was like oh yeah. my god this is like Wait, what uh, store this is like i was a, in a store a ragtime jam or something like yeah <laughs> yeah totally this is from a million years ago i think that's the thing that's what's dangerous about nostalgia it's like anything that you're no longer in it can become crystallized into like oh that was nice but then you're like no, it's fucking terrible. Like the 2000s were terrible. It just didn't occur to me that things would get worse. Yeah. I mean, there's so much worse now. Any yeah. other time, there's so much worse in now. Our lives but I was, was like, better. This is so bad. Things will have to get better. And it was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> If you're a fan of Nightcall, you might love true crime. If so, let me tell you about a new podcast we love. When you think of a criminal, what do you picture? Do you picture a murderer, a gangster, a thief? Do you picture a woman? Probably not. That's why I'm hooked on the new podcast, Female Criminals. Every week, the hosts of Female Criminals take a psychological approach to analyzing the stories and motivations of the women behind some of the world's most dangerous crimes. Each episode analyzes the psychology of these criminals, looking into their minds to better understand their motives. The hosts dive deep into the lives of infamous female criminals, providing listeners with each woman's backstory and details of her crimes. You can check out episodes on The Cocaine Godmother now. And with a new episode coming out every Wednesday, you can expect episodes on Eileen Warnos, Mata Hari, and many more. Visit Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts and search for Female Criminals. Again, that's F-E-M-A-L-E-C-R-I-M-I-N-A-L-S. 
or visit parcast.com slash criminals to start listening now. That's parcast, P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com slash criminals to listen now. Um, one more thing, speaking of horror and ladies, there was a post by the director, Anna Biller, who made The Love Witch, which we are all Great big movie. fans of, did a series of tweets a few weeks ago about horror and misogyny and was talking about the trope of final girls in horror, which is the trope whereby there's like a group of girls. Or a group of guys and girls. A group of, of horny teens, usually, mm-hmm. uh, that are killed off one by one, and then one girl remains, and it's because she's smarter and better than everybody and else. Tougher. And, and tougher. And didn't, didn't and she, try to have sex. And she's mm-hmm. a strong female character. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annabella was like, this is bullshit. Uh, strong female characters, like, that's not what that is. And it's become such a thing in horror, uh, especially with, like, male directors, mm-hmm. where it's like... Yeah, you know, this is feminist because, like, yeah. one woman survives. And I, love, she was, like, I love to show strong women after showing yeah. a bunch of other women getting slaughtered. That's what she was saying. She was like, it excuses people morally from having to think about why they enjoy watching a bunch of other women get killed first for, like, cinematic pleasure. And mm-hmm. she was like, this is, like, the basis of, like, all modern horror and, like, grindhouse movies. It's like the rape revenge movie, but then you, like, see the person get raped usually, you know, where it's like you do the thing in order to excuse the other thing. Uh, and she was like, this sucks. And then dudes just went off on her on Twitter for like many days, really proving her point by being like, wrong. I didn't see <laughs> so much of the response. I mean, I saw like a couple of blog posts that were just about like what she wrote and I listened to a different podcast where they were talking about it. But um, I mean, it's kind of part of this larger argument that she has just about like what actually constitutes feminist film or like feminist oriented film and it's not usually the thing that's being called a feminist film and also the title feminist film usually doesn't mean anything (laughs) uh especially when you're talking about a film directed by a man like the most like a film can really only be feminist in like a meta sense as far as like how it's being made and whose point of view is being prioritized Right, and, which is why that Brian De Palma movie about Harvey Weinstein that he just announced he's making, yeah, uh-huh. maybe not something that I'm like expecting a lot from. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard because I love Carrie, and yeah, I think I'm, it's a very feminist horror movie. Yes. I also am like, well, I mean, it's better than not doing anything, I guess. But it's really hard when you hear a man, a white man in their 70s, be like, you know, I really want to show a woman's perspective. It's like, well. I yeah. a woman. A woman <laughs> yeah. might be able to do that <laughs> pretty effectively. A that a woman makes. Yeah. I'm doing um, this interesting like, well, experiment. Why can't, why can't men have opinions about this? Like, you can have opinions. You just also have 50 million movies made by men about this, yeah. and maybe a couple. Because Anna Biller is also saying, like, she's making a Bluebeard movie. Mm-hmm. All, we're all big fans of the Bluebeard. But that's, you know, that's why men would like some men that would like robots to just replace women. Because then you don't have to feel bad about putting them in the junk room. It's a horror movie, so you have to be able to show the horror. I get that. Right, but she was just saying, like, horrors become so narrow that, like, nothing has advanced in the genre. Even, like, the meta thing, meta critiques of the final girl genre right. kind of just, like, reinforce, you know, yeah. this one girl is better than all the other girls. Right. And, like, 
I think the thing that's like more egregious to me is like, sure, you can you can have that structure, but like when you can feel the film is trying to be like, look, girl power after yeah. watching, you know, usually the same girl, even the girl who prevails in the end, getting brutalized throughout. It just feels like I'd rather just have the straight version of that instead of you trying to pose it as being some kind of political statement, which it obviously, if it is at all, it's very lacking in the actual feminist department. Like, I, I feel like there's some quote, maybe it's like an Antonioni quote or something like that uh, that I saw recently. It's just like, like, films really aren't like, I mean, yes, there's like political documentaries and stuff like that. And there's like more didactic narratives. But in general, films are more emo- are, are emotional and not political. I feel like the politics have to be in how it's made, because if you try, if you start trying to say like this is a feminist f- horror film or something, then like then you're trying to teach or something through the film, and that's yeah. ultimately not what I want from the movies. Especially like it's not what I want from movies made by women. Like I want women to be able to explore all sorts of like crazy. Horrific nightmare scenarios and like all like unleash their you know darkest nightmares on the screen in the same way that guys have gotten to and like I think that that is inherently feminist because you've prioritized their voice. It doesn't mean the film itself, the text of the film, is feminist necessarily. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not feminist just by virtue of like having women in it. Yeah. you know, which is I think what a lot That's of people what happens. Yeah, defending yeah. this kind of horror, like oh, but like it stars some girls, and it's like yeah, yeah, and they all get slaughtered except for one, yeah. and then she's like haunted. Like you can yeah, be a I mean, woman who likes something that has girls in it or has women in it, like a, a story, and that doesn't also make that a feminist story. Like I think that people just have a limited vocabulary in how to talk about these things because honestly we don't get that many of them to talk about that's what i'm saying and i think like some of the things that have become like feminist films uh my mom's friend b ruby rich who's a really great film critic scholar mm-hmm. uh wrote a book called chick flicks that talks about just like russ meyer movies how russ meyer movies like feminists love them yeah. because they're all about like groups of women and mm-hmm. most of them don't involve those women getting cut you know killed off it's like they're incidentally about a group of like female characters that are really interesting, even though they're just meant to be like sexploitation movies. Yeah, they right. like are better than most movies that have female characters because yeah. they treat the female characters as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Annabella talks so, about like Russ Meyer movies in this longer essay that she has on her website, kind of, you know, being like, yeah, those are fun. You can enjoy them and enjoy them apart from them being feminist or whatever. You can enjoy them because it's fun to watch these characters like do silly shit or whatever you know like or or have revenge on guys or whatever like just because they're killing a man doesn't make it feminist you know no and it's like they pass the Bechdel test like incidentally yeah you know yeah but (laughs) yeah that's Um, the thing also like I'm glad that we're kind of past that but that used to be a huge thing of like well it passes the Bechdel test it must be feminist I mean like and people you know I feel like there's a lot of discussion around this with like Wonder Woman too because you know that's obviously a, a superhero woman about a female superhero directed by a woman but I wouldn't necessarily call it feminist exactly. Like, it's still about, like, warmongering. <laughs> no, I thought it was anti-war. That's why I liked it. Oh, Because I thought it was an anti-war war movie. And also I liked that it was World War One because World War One is really under I hate World War I so much. Oh, it's, like, my least favorite cinematic what? war. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, come on, the... The, bu- the barracks, no. the bunkers. I hate the barracks. I hate all the you mud. Like I hate trench foot. 
Trench warfare is so... I'm just saying, like, there are way too many World War II movies and way too many Vietnam movies and, like, no World War I movies, and it's such an interesting war. I also thought... I mean, the thing to me, I liked Wonder Woman. I'm not a superhero movie I know, person I liked it all. fine. I didn't think it was feminist. That's what I'm saying. No. It's like, I liked it okay, well, but it's, like, not a feminist movie to me. I think <laughs> what, what made it... The thing that I thought made it feel feminist as opposed to other superhero movies was just, like, the lack of jiggliness in it Mm -hmm. compared to, like, every other version of Wonder Woman I've ever seen. I was like, this woman is outfitted for battle, Mm -hmm. and we never saw her cleavage on display in the way that you do in any other superhero movie, which bring just, like, the comic book character costumes that are always, like, you know, have the tit window. Yeah. Or just, like, like the camera, like, leering up the body or whatever. Right. There was none of that. And I was just like, I'm so unused to that, that I noticed it constantly yeah. during that movie because I was like, oh, my God, a woman made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, what it was. And like the one really leering shot was like Chris Pine's ass. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where I was just like, oh, what if women were in charge of everything? Yeah. It would yeah. be different. Um I don't know. I think you're right, though, too, that, like, the solution is not, like, more tentpole movies, but, like, with a lady's touch. It's, like, uh, more weird indie movies that are specific. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Wonder Woman is, like, I think not that she ultimately decides to fight in World War One, but that, like, she, she, her whole point of being is, like, I... I'm a, like I want to promote the causes of love and beauty, which is basically like Sailor Moon's catchphrase. Like, yeah, <laughs> which is which is not a thing that you usually hear superheroes say. But then she uses no. that same philosophy to like go fight in World War One. So I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't fight though. She crosses the battlefield. She's like, everybody, stop fighting. This is stupid. Why is war? Um, <laughs> I related to Wonder Woman because she's like an alien who's yeah. like, I don't know what sexism is, yeah. so I just don't know that it like if I encounter it I'm just like huh yeah which is how I went through life until like probably like 21 it's yeah. just like Mm-mm, none of this applies to me because yeah. I come from the Amazon yeah you know? um and then the world beats you down but it was very, I, I don't know I think I was also just when I saw that movie I was like crying because I was like a woman got to make a hundred oh, yeah. million dollars well, and there were all these you know? little girls in the screening that I was in who were so stoked and I was like teary just looking at them because I was like this yeah, has to like, be I, so fun for you I'm sure yeah like, good that we have things now like Wonder Woman and Black Panther and it's like stupid that it took so long to get them because like the whole point I thought always of comic books was like these inclusive universes where yeah. like everybody has powers that are special and then they just kept making the same kind of Batman mm-hmm. boring man pain movie over and over again. Okay, so I just want to say though like I'm a big fan of Batman and I take <laughs> offense at that. Uh, Batman is a millionaire who works for the cops. <laughs> he sucks. He, he sucks and that's exactly why he's an interesting, he's an anti-hero. I, I was always very drawn to Batman. I'm just, I'm just standing for Batman really briefly I, there's nothing feminist about see, batman but, like, but i see, like i only like batman because he was rich and goth i didn't the cop thing he i never goth. connected for me but i liked that he was like a rich man who was a goth kind of i liked that he had a very like violent beginning like i his parents were brutally mur- i was just like okay this sounds pretty good this is a fascinating movie for grown-ups that here i am yeah. watching it's clearly not made for children at all y'all got tricked the only good batman movies are the tim burton batman movies i love the tim yeah, burton batman great. movies 
if a woman made a Batman movie that objectified Batman so that he was like just super hot and what it was it just was a cat woman. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in Catwoman. I'm yeah, oversaturated I'm with cats by now. What if Catwoman made the movie? Oh, if cat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Speaking of horror that seemingly objectifies men and is weird, uh, Emily, you saw Upgrade. Oh, a yeah. Blumhouse? Is that how you say Blumhouse? It's Blumhouse? a Blumhouse production, a but it's a Blumhouse. BH Tilt, which is their like micro budget <laughs> sub shingle. Uh, well, I was really stoked about that because you wrote a really, a really great rave review of Upgrade for New York Magazine, just being like, "Hey, this movie was fun. Yeah. I expected, I knew nothing about it and expected nothing, and then it was great. And then a bunch of people I know went out and saw it because of your review." Oh. That's great. And I thought, yeah, I was like, this is great. Also, I love the idea of like critics doing what you really would like them to do, which is like pointing out movies that would otherwise maybe not, you know, hit because yeah. people are so inoculated. I wish that that just... was most of the job because that's the most fun thing is when you feel like you have a cause and you can yeah. be like, go do this now. Go see this movie. Well, I, most I of the time like it's I've not heard... that. I also uh, reviewed right. Adrift a this week, which I did not even bother oh, putting God. on social media. But yeah. I mean, I've heard you complain just in general about like tent poles and sort of like the ways also now in which critics are like sort of bribed to not give tent poles bad reviews you know uh i don't think the critics are bribed not to so you're sound- not bribed but like that you can only come to the premiere if you're giving it a good review or whatever right i or mean like- i think like i think that more in a more egregious way like you saw what happened with like la times um like not well, not giving not giving them a bad review for i forget what movie that was at that point it was some I think it was Last Jedi, maybe. I can't remember, honestly. Um, but not getting invited to the premiere because LA Times had done a big investigative report on Disneyland and like how much it's paying its employees and everything. And they kind of got this blowback in the form of not being invited to this premiere. There's like a whole long art, like a discussion to be had about access oriented journalism i mean there's a reason yeah that, like, and that was crazy because yeah. that was like it wasn't it also wasn't like you gave a star wars movie a bad review yeah. so you're banned it was like you talked about how like custodians at disneyland are dying in their cars because yes. they don't are go. so underpaid yeah. and overworked uh and that's what they don't want you to report yeah. on they like, don't care what that, you think about it doesn't affect their bottom line if somebody from la times no offense to justin Chang, who i like a lot but like his review of like the Infinity War movie or whatever isn't going to really massively affect. Uh, well, this idea that like those movies are too big to fail, yeah. obviously, like with Solo not doing as well as they wanted it to, is like I don't know. I wonder if there will be pushback on that. Of like, yeah, no, these movies are just going to come out and you're going to eat it because that's what's for dinner. Well, people didn't eat Solo. It did not do that well, uh, which is interesting. Like it feels like. Even Star Wars doesn't have the power of Marvel at this point. But right. Well, it's also like I saw a couple of people being like, "Oh, movies starring white men. Like, guess we better not make any of those anymore." Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. what if that's how the coverage was? Like, it is for other things. But you like, know? but like, Upgrade is fun just because it does feel like a kind of thing that doesn't get made anymore. First of all, it's like super gross in like a very carpentery way that I really appreciate. Um, I mean, it's made by Lee Wannell. I don't know how you say his last name, but he's like the guy who like he co-created this the Saw movie which I don't care for but like he obviously has a great love of like on-screen viscera but I think in the in the context of a kind of sci-fi gross out all semi slapstick movie it's really fun 
the premise is that that this guy uh, becomes a quadriplegic in this accident. He gets like hijacked by these like nefarious du- like cyborg dudes and becomes a quadriplegic. But then a like Zuckerbergian teenage like tech mogul does some experimental surgery on him that like reconnects his brain with his nervous system so that he can walk again. But the thing that reconnects it is like an AI that also talks to him in his mind and can like also do autopilot on his body if he wants and just take over for him and like do insane See, martial that arts. Awesome. It's great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that also sounds like, like what I want horror to be is like a commentary on now. Right. Yeah. You know, which is what I feel like what Anna Biller was really saying was like these genre tropes are like not fresh anymore. Like anything you think you're doing with final girls has been done, you know, yeah. like when the scream movies, which are like great movies that I love, mm-hmm. like, okay like she has sex and she lives Mm -hmm. that's like the last time I can think of somebody doing something original with it (laughs) and what I liked about the Scream movies too is that like as they go on Sydney like doesn't get more badass she gets like more and more traumatized and freaked out and by the third one she's like living off the grid and it's like no one can be in my life because they'll get murdered (laughs) so it's just me and my dog that's like the one one good thing about the Insidious movies I I think those movies are super boring otherwise first of all I like that one of the main carryover heroines of them is like an elderly woman that doesn't happen very often and that she's also like you know it's about her getting increasingly just like freaked out from all of her ghost experiences and like oh is that what insidious is which ones are the found footage ones is that's that paranormal activity i get all yeah. of these confused and the conjuring is the haunted dolls conjuring is like conjuring and the annabelle movies are related yeah I'm, th- I'm realizing in our discussions about haunted dolls, I might it might not do anything for me. I might just like like dolls. <laughs> You're immune. <laughs> I might be the haunted doll. Beal. Then we'd be night doll. Speaking of night dolls, you can give us a night doll at two four zero four six night, or send us a text message to that same number, or send us an email to nightcallpodcast at gmail dot com. You can also follow us on our socials. Um, hit us up on the socials. We're on Twitter at NightCallPod, Instagram at NightCallPodcast. We are on Facebook at NightCallPodcast. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Yeah, go see Upgrade. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happened to Melania by the time this comes out. What if Melania is a haunted doll? That would not surprise oh, that's, me one That it. feels that's like the, the most, most credible story. In the you cracked yeah. it. We predicted it here first, even <laughs> though by the time you hear this, it will have already been confirmed. And no wonder did anyone predict this. Well, we did. We did. Mark the From time. The past. See you next week. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch, so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 